Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. two very special guests with me today to talk about plastic pollution. I have Dr. Regina Fry from Southampton University Business School and I have Professor Diego Vasquez-Brust from Portsmouth University. So I'm going to hand over to Gina and Diego who are going to introduce themselves briefly and then we're going to start our discussions. Hello everybody, pleased to be with you today. So as Tony said, I'm at Southampton Business School at the University of Southampton in the UK. And I'm an Associate Professor of Operations and Supply Chain Management. And my work is mainly on two things. So all around reverse supply chains, one being product returns in retail and the other one being um, plastic recycling, plastic logistics, collection for recycling, etc., So those are my two core interests. And I've been working with Diego on a project in this area, which is called Plasticity. And we're going to be telling you a lot more about this afterwards. Diego. Hello, good morning. Um, My name is Diego Vasquez-Brust. As as mentioned, I work at the University of Portsmouth, where I am a professor in corporate sustainability and strategy. So my main areas of interest are... Um, sustainability, environmental practices, strategies that companies use to address environmental issues in the supply chain, and um, particularly the impacts of um, pollution in developing countries. Okay, thanks. Thanks very much. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about this plasticity uh, research project that you have. Right. Okay. Yes. Um, plasticity is a huge uh, European project that includes. Um, several partners um, in four main European cities, The Hague, uh, Douai, Ghent, and Southern on Sea. So it involves four countries, the UK, France, the Netherlands, and Belgium, and it has a common objective, which is to reduce plastic waste um, and increase the rate of recycling plastic, urban plastic in those cities, to uh, 50%. Right, okay. Well, that's that's a big achievement if that happens, isn't it, really? So uh, when you say plastic uh, reduction in those cities, does that mean um, in the cities themselves or is it in the surrounding? I mean, I know, for example, in South End on Sea, there are issues around uh, the coast. So does it involve the coastal community or is it just in the city itself? Well, it's, it's, um, the project is specifically focused on commercial waste Ah, and okay. the population are all the business that are within the boundaries of the local authority. Yeah. So, of course, yeah. that place, plastic, if it's not um, treated or collected, the risk is that that will impact on surrounding communities. And yeah, particularly, all those cities have, have a connection with water. So, yeah. If, yeah. Um, yeah. if the plastic yeah. goes into waste uh, or is not treated, eventually it will find its way into the ocean, as most plastics do, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. And in terms of um, what steps are you taking in the project? How, how does the project actually um, work then? So the project basically focuses on what we call 
lost plastics. So those are plastics which are recycl recyclable, but for one reason or another, they are not recycled at the moment. So the, the, the project is developing technical um, instruments to uh, be able to collect those plastics, to process them, and um, to create at the same time a supply chain that uh, finds a use for those plastics. So the idea is that within the same city, there were going to be plastic hubs where all the plastic collected is transformed into new projects. So you had uh, the double objective of reducing pollution and at the same time creating an incentive for the development of this uh, urban area. Yeah. So there is this technical component on which is a specific uh, new technology to compact plant this lost plastic, which is basically films, so plastic which are um, and, and foils. There is also a logistic component, trying to redesign the supply chain, and there is also a behavioral component, trying to understand what is what are the obstacles for people to recycle plastic. And Gina, you're involved in the project as well, aren't you? Indeed, yes. So... I have been focusing on developing kind of scenarios for collecting these plastics from all the all the, the companies that are in, in those cities. So we have been looking at what kind of logistics scenarios would be possible, what kind of ideas, maybe sometimes futuristic ideas, could we explore to, to kind of create the best ways of collecting that plastic. And then we have also created simulations to um, with a software, a logistics software that is called OptiFlow by a company in Ghent. It's a small company called Conundra, and they have kindly agreed to let us work with their software for free. Um, so we have been using that to create simulations and see how, well, how you would collect all that plastic, of course, based on a lot of assumptions. But we, we were able to kind of compare different types of vehicles. So including things like cargo bikes that are essentially um, bikes with, a, say, a trailer or a big box on it and assisted by a, a battery um, where you would get the plastic, um, compress it to some degree and then essentially drive around, say, pedestrian areas, town centers where it's very narrow um, where you have um, areas where big lorries can't easily access and where also you wouldn't want to have all that noise and the pollution from traditional waste uh, collection vehicles. So we have been looking at the use of cargo bikes, also at the use of electrical vans that are smaller than normal waste collection lorries and again don't have the pollution um, at the place where they're driving um, uh, compared with normal um normal vehicles. Then we have also looked at the possibility of maybe using boats or trams to get the waste out of the town centers and just comparing all of these. And then we have, of course, also thought about um, other solutions like using drones. But um, whilst it seems like a fancy idea, and could be good for like pilot projects. It's of course not the, the right application because drones are better for, for cases where you have um, high value, low volume, low weight items um, and not su such a thing as, as plastic films, which are um, by nature, where although they're lightweight, 
they are quite big volume and low value, so you wouldn't want to use drones. But we did still think about such kind of ideas. Um, we also discussed things like having suction tunnels under the earth, underground, where you could put your plastic in and then you would just get sucked away. So we were exploring what we could come up with, um, say, future for futuristic solutions. Um, but then, of course, focused on, on what we can do today and tomorrow using alternative alternative vehicles, etc. And one of the interesting findings um, or conclusions we, we had is that actually lots of people think that using electrical vehicles is the solution. And also lots of governments are pushing for cars to, to go electrical. But that really only makes sense if the electricity actually comes from, from renewable sources. So in some countries that we considered, especially the Netherlands, unfortunately, most of their um, energy mix is still very polluting. So you're not actually solving anything by using electrical vehicles. Whereas in other countries like France, um, most of their electricity is clean, although nuclear, but clean. So there it might be an option because you're actually reducing the, the pollution through emissions. So we, we had lots of interesting findings like that. And I think Diego would like to add something. He looks like it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Over to Diego then. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I just, I just wanted to, no, 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 to, to, to agree with with Gina in that, in the sense that something that is interest on in in this project is the way in which sometimes we assume things, so we take for granted that um, you know some because something is electrical and doesn't have a direct impact in terms of emissions during um, its um, functioning. When you take a life cycle approach and you consider pollution from source until the end of the of the products, then the situation is different. And I think that that's why always having a, a supply chain view is particularly important when you are addressing environmental challenges. Yeah, it's very much an important part of this circular economy that I think you alluded to in the in the discussion. And for some of our listeners, can you just be um sort of specific about what sort of plastic waste we were talking about here in, in this project. Can you give some examples of what there might be and, and what's happening? Yeah, so the focus is on plastic films, really, um, as well as some other plastic items but that, that are, well, that are accumulated through the operation of companies. So that includes um, retailers, um, cafes, restaurants, schools, um, leisure associations, as well as industrial production companies that are somewhere in this uh, urban area. And uh, a lot of it is lightweight films. Some yeah. of them are transparent. Some of them are colored. Some of it might be um, extruded polystyrene. Some of it might be um, um, thicker plastic items like from food trays. Or yeah. We were looking also discussing things like garden chairs that are plastic garden chairs that need to be somehow dealt with. And, but the focus was, um, at least for the logistics part, we looked a lot at films so that those might be a LDPE. LDP is low-density polyethylene. It was first produced in 1933 by Imperial Chemical Industries using high-pressure process by a free radical polymerization. It can withstand temperatures of 65 degrees Celsius, 149 degrees Fahrenheit, used in all types of things, trays and general purpose containers, plastic wraps, 
and the plastic films being talked about here. I think I understand what film is, what plastic film is, but is it the sort of thing that um, it, on a food tray, if you take a top off it, that's a plastic film, isn't it? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's often like plastic bags. Yeah. Okay. Um, or plastic wrap. So food wrappers or the the films that clothing comes um, in. Yeah. So it's also like shipping bags that are often plastic nowadays. Uh, it's often also in labels. In um, it's everywhere. Would you include bubble wrap in that? Yes. Yes. You would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's there's lots of this stuff. I mean, what volumes are we talking about when we talk about this plastic film? Do you, do you have any numbers on the volumes? Uh, the volumes for, um, for each city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's one of those points where we have to work with a lot of assumptions. Yeah. Because there is no clear data. We just know that it's a lot. And we did make some collection trials in, in various cities. The problem is that um, this project was running throughout the pandemic. Uh-huh. So a lot of the, the trial collections that were planned to, to be done couldn't actually be done because, or only partially because of the pandemic. So a lot of the companies, a lot of the offices were shut at the time. Yeah. And uh, only very few of them were were operating and willing to engage with us. So that's one weak point we have in the project. It's this lack of waste data. Yeah, perhaps as part of the project that could be developed, if not in round one, maybe in a second round later. But I'm just thinking in terms of um, the plastic generation itself. I mean, lots of this plastic is made from these things called nurdles, isn't it? That they kind of ship around the globe, these little plastic pellets. And then they kind of create the film from those plastic pellets. And sometimes, as you know, containers fall off ships and loads of those nurdles go into the sea and they pollute the oceans of the world. And there's there's millions, billions of these nurdles all over the oceans of the world. Um, I'm guessing that your project doesn't include the nurdles because they're the raw material going into the plastic. But I'm guessing it's the product at the end, all this waste coming out of the cities that's important to you to look at and how you handle the waste. And one of the things I mean, I've read, I'm not an expert in this area at all, but I've read lots of stuff about um, how difficult dark plastics are to recycle. So have you graded the different types of plastic in your waste? And are you kind of, uh, do you have a list of a typology, if you like, of all these different plastics that you're finding in the uh, in the project? Okay. Um, yes. I will um, just, just to clarify something uh, that Gina said. So we we do not know uh, the moment which are the, fine, the actual volumes in each of the cities. Yeah, because this this is going to be one of the results. Okay, so an estimation of that 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 will be modeled. And in order to have a, a better estimation, is that we will be collecting. Uh, I was just mentioning that um, one one of the tasks from the very the task for the very beginning has has been trying to identify um, the type uh, the volume of waste that is produced according to different type of commerce in different industries. So there had been first a survey in which um, re- companies reported, and then there was a collection of um, samples of bags of waste in the different companies that was used to try to predict the different type of waste mm-hmm. um, and identify, yes, the colors, the, 
the weight, the type of plastic, and then to try to see what what is the most um, the best way to separate and group cluster different type of plastics that can be collected together and treated together. So this is all part of the process. Is um, there are no final results at this moment, but there will be because the project ends in end this year. Ah, oh, right. So, okay. So and and at the end of the project, there's going to be a, a report and a series of papers, presumably, and some dissemination of the research to the wider public. Is there, or who, who's the who's the recipient of of the research? Uh, the recipient, the recipient of the research is the is the wider community, and including, of course, the, the academic community. But yes, there are reports. Gina mentioned the reports that we uh, that she has been in charge, which are related with the logistics. Yeah. There are also behavioral reports, and there are technical reports, which are made by the University of Ghent. Uh-huh. So the people who is actually in charge of this type providing the answers to these type of questions uh, is our colleagues at the University of Ghent. Okay, okay. And I'm, presu- I'm presuming, is is it likely that this research is going to be um, a continuing study beyond the project? Are you hoping to generate some more interest and perhaps expand the study or take it further? Well, definitely, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because if this works, the idea would... Uh, well, an important outcome is going to be a strategy. Uh-huh. So a strategy that cities can use um, with uh, specific steps that cities can use to increase their plastic recycling rates and to develop you know, a circular economy model for plastic at the urban level, at the local level. Yeah, so then, yeah carry on. I mean, are the local authorities um, in these cities um, collaborating? Yes, they are heavily involved. So they okay. are partners. In the pro in the project, and they are in charge of the implementation of the specific actions in the cities. Yeah. So, for instance, the process is like this. So, the University of Ghent designed the procedures and for the collection of of, of waste and how they be, should be separated. But this then the local authorities who had to work with local companies to actually collect the waste and take it to the University of Ghent to be to be processed and analyzed. Or the University of Ghent also developed uh, mobile labs. Then the idea was that those labs will go to the different cities to be able to replicate the same tests in different conditions. And this, these labs will be available after the end of the project for the cities to continue using them on request. Yeah. And, and Gina, your... Um focused on the logistics part of this uh, study, really. Uh, So what does, I mean, you've told us a little bit about what that involves, and you've talked about these uh, different sorts of vehicles, some of which are more suited to the project than others. But um, is there anything else you want to expand on to tell us a little bit more about the logistics side of the study? Um, Yeah, sure. So one of the interesting things we found when we did simulations was that um, based on the the waste volumes we assumed, which was to some degree based on data we had from the trial collections, is that um, the the volume that you can actually load onto the cargo bike is often too small to to, to be able to load everything that the company may may have uh, accumulated. So that leads to the to the situation where you need to think about solutions. So 
there could be various different approaches. So either you would give, say, the the cargo bike a better press so that it could compress the plastic, compact the plastic more, or you would say, okay, we will add a trailer to the cargo bike, which of course will make it bigger and heavier and probably exhaust the battery more quickly. Or you could say, well, for companies that have big waste volumes, you either need to collect more frequently, so twice a week. We were usually looking at once a week, once a fortnight or once a month to kind of compare the frequencies that make the most sense, depending on the waste volume and the number of companies that you have and the distances between companies and the, the location where you deposit the plastic, where you where you bring where you take it to then um, be collected for, for sorting and processing. Um, and and also either you would need to do it more often or have a bigger volume, or maybe that actually you need a different vehicle that the, the cargo bike really can only deal with small volumes, whereas some companies, depending on the nature of the business, will have large volumes. So that was a quite an interesting conclusion that actually the cargo bike has a, a really very limited volume. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of, I mean, you're looking at the output um, here of um, the end of the line of production, I suppose, where you've got waste coming out at the end after it's gone through a consumption cycle of some kind and then it's gone into, you know, it's ready to be disposed of. And you're trying to look at the recycling process at that part of the supply chain. We were looking at two types, actually, either post-consumer plastics, so that are waste after consumers have used it. So that could be food packaging after the food has been eaten, or it could be um, packaging of clothing after the clothing has been purchased, um, or after it has been put on the shelf in a shop. or also at post-production plastics. And of course, those are much easier to deal with because it's usually quite easy to make sure it's only one type of plastic. Um, It's clean. um, And also you have a a handle on the volumes. It's much more predictable. So companies that have some kind of production process that leads to waste plastics, they're in a way much better clients for us whereas post-consumer plastics are much more messy much more difficult to 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 predict Uh, they they will some of them will be contaminated they will be mixed so that that's quite an interesting uh, well challenging um, type of plastics to deal with and also something i wanted to mention is that in belgium they were doing a trial with colored bags, whereby the the companies that, that were producing these waste plastics, they could actually have um, five different types of plastic um, with a color coding for different types of plastics. So they would pre-sort their plastics, which of course would then help the recycling process. So they will have um, transparent or white bags for just any clear films. They would have blue for colored films because colored films need to be treated separately. Uh, they have red for hard plastics, so thicker items that they have. Red, sorry, uh, uh, orange for um, ex- express, um, extruded polystyrene, and then black for the for the rest, so black bags for uh, contaminated plastics, so anything else that wouldn't go into those categories. And um, so this this of course makes a lot of sense in the, in terms of processing these plastics for recycling. Um, However, it requires the companies to, for one, have the space available to have these five 
big um, bags where they where they pre-sort the plastics, which of course is also an additional effort. Mm. So it requires uh, some effort from the companies and some willingness to engage in this process. But of course, it helps. Yeah. And, and not, yeah. And because you're looking at film, I don't suppose you're looking at uh, any um, any uh, plastic bottles here, are you? Yes, yes. I mean, I just oh, you want are. to clarify that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, we emphasize films because those are the plastic which are not normally recycled. Okay. They are recyclable, but they are not recycled. Yeah. So they can make a huge difference in increasing the, uh, percent, the recycling rates. But we are looking at all type of commercial plastic. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we are looking at lumping different waste streams into different compositions that then can be treated together or collected together. Ah, so right. basically, right? So yeah. we emphasize the lost plastic, but it's about all type of plastic that is commercially produced. Yeah. Okay. Glad we cl- clarified that. That's, that makes it much clearer. So in, in terms of looking at these um, different plastics, I wondered also, we're looking at the end of the supply chain with the, the consumption cycle and the waste cycle, but are there any sort of ideas or notions of looking back up stream to the start of the process when you're making the plastic? I mean, are, are there likely to be any outcomes that would suggest don't use plastic in this product? <clears throat> Perhaps use other material. Well, yeah, well, I'm very glad you asked that because this is a, this is another of the, of the key point of the project. So, because the, the main the main output here will be this replicable strategy where we focus on trying to have a step by step process. Right. So, the, so and, and the first conclusion that we have is that you can you need to first understand all the actors that are involved in waste. And the first actor, of course, is the producers of plastic materials. Mm-hmm. What are the motivations? What are how the business works? What are the interactions with the other actors? So, so yes, looking for cases in which plastic may not be necessary could be replaced is part of the um, is part of that strategy. And and what are the findings to date? Have have you have you done enough to make any suggestions at this early recommendations at this stage about what's what's happening in the research that you're doing? We we are in the in what in what in what aspect? In what aspect? Um, just just anything anything that's come from the study so far that you you'd like to tell me about in terms of uh, suggestions or recommendations to those. Uh, Yes. Okay. Yeah. So wh- one of the um, one of the main findings, we say, non-technical findings, is that the most of the cities do not understand the flows of waste. Uh-huh. Uh, there is no unified site in which you can go and obtain information about how much commercial waste is produced. What are the type of streams of waste? How this waste is being treated? Where the waste ends up? All this information, because commercial waste is treated different from household waste, is outside the um, possibilities of local authorities to obtain. So therefore, you um, you start in a scenario which there is very little information, particularly in terms of how does waste accumulate. And that was why it was so difficult for us to answer your question. Okay. Because, you know... Um, the main finding is that it's very difficult to know the answer to your question because it's very difficult to make 
the waste companies that have that information individually to cooperate so we can aggregate all the volumes. So then, so there is there an issue in the way in which the whole system is designed. Yeah. Is anybody else doing this type of research anywhere else in the world or is this a unique project that you're involved in? The, um, there is people doing different elements of this type of research. But as far as we know, this is the only project that combines all these elements together. Uh-huh. So you will find people who is working on the technical aspects and this, and we will have people who is working on the behavioral aspect, people is working on the understanding the system. But all the elements put together with this focus on the urban, on the local level, we, uh, we believe that... Um, plasticity is still uh, unique and uh, so of course it depends on whether it's going to be the final result is going to be successful but um, yes definitely there is an opportunity for for replication uh, yeah yeah. that's that's really interesting i've only just got the message here that um the title is plastics is it plastic city or plasticity the it is well is is um (laughs) is a war play it is plastic city, plasticity altogether. Yeah, right? yeah. I, so, I felt particularly uh, dense when I when I only just r- realised that a second or two ago when you were talking. You said the word, and I thought, yeah, that's what it is. Okay, good. Here, yeah. can you see the name written? Yeah, because right with a capital C in the middle, so plastic. <laughs> ah, there you go. So when you see it written, it's quite obvious. But when you when you just hear it, then it's less obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, that's that's great, really. I mean, uh, uh, is there anything else, Gina, that you want to add at this stage? We're we're on the wrap up uh, section, I think, at the moment. We've got about three minutes. That's all. Okay, uh, so. Maybe just to to say that one of the things we came across when doing the research for plasticity, when we tried to understand how plastic recycling is being handled for instance, in the UK is that there is really a, a lack of coordination and that's quite a, an important point so that um, municipalities, boroughs, councils, um, they should all really work together and coordinate what they're doing mm-hmm. because every borough is re- responsible for how they handle their waste so yeah. they have their own agreements and they all have different ways of, of organizing it. And that's quite inefficient, ineffective. And it doesn't use the available capacities uh, in the best way possible. So we found that there are plastic recycling facilities in the UK that are underused, mm. whereas the local boroughs actually export their plastics to Europe or elsewhere for recycling, just because there is this lack of coordination. And that's really quite an important point, I think. That's where there is enormous potential for improvement. Yeah, it's an important point because you can build capacity in the right way then, can't you? And you can actually share, you know, you can do it in a in a very planned way, which I'm guessing from what you're saying, it, it ain't so planned. And Diego, you're, you're, you're itching to get in here, I can see. So uh, have you got something yeah, to yeah. add? I just wanted to... To, to summarize the, the deliverables of the project, because there's going to be a show road in which these are going to be uh, disseminated and uh, shared with stakeholders. And something that we have not mentioned is that there is an actual an outcome of the project, which is going to be the demonstration and implementation of four new value chains. 
with business uh, plastic. And we will develop also the business model. We are developing the business model for these cases. The design of four new products, working in workshop with local designers, and the um, investment to start up these, uh, these new models. So there will be, and this is going to be all presented by the end of the year. Ah, great. So I'd like to thank you both very much for coming along this morning. I think it's been very interesting talking to both of you this morning. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And thanks for the opportunity. We think it's a really interesting project. And, but it's very difficult to communicate because it's very complex. There, is, there are so many partners and so many components and a lot of dimensions. And it is difficult. Yeah, we note that it's difficult to communicate. Well, there we are. I'd really like to thank Professor Diego Vasquez-Brust and Professor Regina Fry for coming along to talk to us about their research project, Plasticity, Plastic Cities, which I found out. So I've learned something new, and I hope you have too, how we can do things better to reduce plastic waste in our cities. So a very worthwhile project. So thank you to them both. And thank you to everybody involved in that project. I'm sure everyone listening will be very interested to follow up the project if they're interested in plastic pollution. Well, that's it for this week. And if there's any episodes that you've missed, drop by and pick them up. But for now, I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off and I'll see you next time. Bye for now. The Chain Reaction Podcast is presented and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. And we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.